the New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT. Welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. I'm Paul Spain. And I'm Mark Derrickett. And I'm Will Fleming. Welcome along, chaps. How are we doing? Pretty good. Good, good. Now, Will, uh, this is your first time on the New Zealand Tech Podcast, so maybe you can inform listeners where you fit into this world of podcasting. It's a big day for me, Paul. I'm very nervous to be on here. You guys have got some serious runs on the board. 200 and something, 256 episodes. Take a breath. It's okay. It's okay. My podcast is only number one, but that's fine. I've got to start somewhere. You're number one already? With my wife. Oh. Num- I've only got one episode out. It's not your first podcast, though, is it, Will? Not my first. Uh, but it is my first with podcasts.nz, and it's called My Kiwi Life. It's about me talking to awesome people about their life, the tips and tricks they've learnt over the years, and how we can steal that, run with it, and be successful. Cool. Well, uh, yeah, that is on, that's online uh, right now for those who are uh, interested, podcasts.nz or podcast.co.nz, if you like the more uh, traditional sort of uh, URL. Uh, I think some people are, are still a little bit surprised when the, the dot .co is missing. Um, but on that, on that basis, a few weeks ago when uh, we, we had um, James from uh, ASB on and we hassled him that uh, ASB owned ASB.NZ, but it didn't go anywhere. Does it go somewhere now? It does now. Ooh. So thank you, thank you James, um, if you're listening, which I think you usually do. So um, much appreciated. Now, um, Mark. Where do you fit into this world of tech and podcasting and the and the like? Uh, run the uh, Illegal Argument podcast, uh, Java development uh, discussions, um, open source developer, um, yeah, just general net geek and yeah. Excellent. Well, we'll let's let's jump in. First up, I wanted to chat about LG's new TV. I missed their fancy launch event in Wellington because I wasn't able to. Um, to make that but this is their new affordable television oh yes 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 so this is lg's new 4k oled tv now they're the only people in the market with this technology and it is actually really really awesome but it isn't particularly cheap that's why they're the only one in the market <laughs> and and that and that's part of the picture right it, it's an expense it is expensive technology to uh, to pull off they've managed to pull it off so they've got a 65 inch 4k OLED TV that is launching here in New Zealand at uh, $12,000 and they've got a 55 inch model for $8,000 but in terms of the picture and so on I guess it's sort of un, unrivaled in terms of what's out there you know, right now in terms of TV. Uh, because of the way the OLED technology works, it means you can get those really, really black blacks on your TV because you, you know, they basically turn off the, uh, the pixels entirely. So you, you've got really good contrast. It looks really good, but it is very much at the top end of the market. So not something you'll be seeing in uh, just every household across so, the country. So I'm... Is there actually any 4K content, or is it just let's upscale everything? It's an interesting, um, interesting question. I know YouTube has like 4K streaming, and it's like why I, I don't have enough bandwidth for that to start with. So. <laughs> well, if you're on if you're on UFB, even now on VDSL internet, you can get enough bandwidth to be able to stream 4K content. So there isn't a huge amount of content in 4K yet, but as you say, uh, YouTube has it, Netflix has 4K content. We're still waiting on 
just about everyone else to come to the market with their 4K content. So it's nice to have a little bit out there. We will probably soon, reasonably soon, see Blu-ray discs that and 4K ultra uh, high definition Blu-ray players to get that content, and that will give you a better content, a quality than you'll get streaming because it doesn't have to be you know, compressed uh, up the wazoo as it uh, as these things often are if they're travelling over the internet. So, yeah, pretty nice. And e- but even that sort of upscale content looks you know better on a 4K device than it does on a on a standard. TV, you know, you don't see the pixels and so on. But will I be lining up to buy one of these? Probably not. Uh, but there certainly is a market for it. And at the launch, uh, this was sort of their their consumer launch, and they put on a pretty uh, pretty swanky event and invited people that I guess were in the realm that they potentially could buy one of these if they chose to. So there's there yeah, there's there's a bunch of people in that in that market. And and is this the new normal that a television's going to cost that much? I mean, no. So no. this is just kind of special case, or well, there will always be the newest high end technology that is the best in the world, and there will you know there'll be that premium premium price that you'll pay. Over time, these technologies tend to come down and be more accessible. Mm. You might remember the first time we had sort of LCD plasma screens and so on. Yeah, the first time you would see those in a retailer and you were looking about $30,000 for one of those big screens. And compared to what we have today, they were tiny, they were ugly. Yeah, I mean, just a, a disappointment. But, you know, some people were able to jump in and get one and they were, in in certain ways, a, a step ahead of, uh, of what we had before and certainly a whole lot uh, thinner than the old CRT TVs, yeah. right? I mean, are these more just replacing the uh, the home theatres that the rich people would have where they'd get their... The rich people. The, the, the room set up with, like, the nice little decor and, like, the projector. And and now projectors are quite cheap, but getting a high, the high quality, you'll want surround sound, you'll want high, really super high def, so just having a projector is not necessarily what you want. And maybe houses are smaller or you're putting them into smaller rooms and still having that nice theatre. Well, a projector doesn't work everywhere, does it? And interestingly, the home that they had um, used for this particular event, they had three of the TVs. One of them actually was in the cinema room, which was downstairs where it was dark so on and would work very well. So, yep, the TV worked really well in there, but then they were able to they put them in the other rooms where there's a lot more light and so on and probably less, well, definitely less suitable for a projector. That said, these days, depending on, on your room and the nature of it, you can put a projector uh, into, you know, a lot more spaces than you used to be able to because they're much brighter and so on. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, in general, a fixed TV device is very easy for people and yeah i personally am quite a big fan of projectors um, but yeah i can i can see why people might want a tv um that said i'm not sure there'll be uh, lots and lots of people lining up for uh, for the new 4k oled from lg uh, but for those who get them i'm sure they'll um they'll they'll quite like them yeah um it's interesting for me 4k because i know that is really good i know it's really clear but it's going to take me a lot to uh, change from my current system, and I might not be like it. I might not be like everyone. Um, 
I can handle quite average to poor quality. As long, I think something happens where our eyes adjust or our ears adjust to poor quality. It happened on the weekend. I was at a film festival, and you go to a theatre, you sit down, sound was only coming from one side of the room, the picture was a bit grainy, and I thought, no, this isn't my normal theatre experience. But ten minutes in, all the bright lights on the screen were happening, my ears had worked it out. So the novelty factor of 4K, something. It's interesting, isn't it? Because the, the other one is also to do with the colour. When you look at a projected image, the black that you see on the screen, if you're looking, if it's being projected onto a white wall, or etc., and you're not in a dark room, then white, in your eyes, becomes black because there's a much brighter white that comes from the projector. It's quite mm. fascinating you know, the ability of our brain to be able to rejig all of that and to think that white is black and and, and so on. And, you know, after a while, yeah, if you if you're watching something projected onto onto a screen during the day, uh, yeah, your your brain, you know, translates the wall colour to, to be black where there's no extra light added. Uh, so our our brains are pretty capable of actually uh, catering to these things, aren't they? Yeah, usually I find as long as the audio is sounding good, the visuals, the brain kind of takes care of everything else. And if the content is good and you're getting sucked into the storyline and you're not being dis- disrupted by people walking in front of you or people talking in movies or whatever, then the whole experience, you just kind of like fall into that world. But at the moment you get like a speaker blowing out, then you kind of like get thrown out of the moment and I guess having something like 4K with like true blacks and really good colour will help with that. Will it help enough to actually make it worth it? I think it depends it depends on your eyes you know you know some people with audio you know they will want to spend 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 you know thousand dollars on getting the right sort of audio set up and it really makes a difference and they really you know they really appreciate that compared to you know, low quality audio. You mentioned audio before, and I think there's a level, you know, where some people appreciate the visual quality more than others, and you know, some of those people end up as photographers and filmographers, and you know, so on, and you know, varying sort of spaces. For me, when I look at whatever the latest TV is that they show off at uh, CES, at the Consumer Electronics Show each year, it always looks really cool, but if I, if you were to say how much better is it than last year's model, uh, you know, if you put me in one room, you know, one day with a random, whether it was this year's, last year's, you know, best model, and then you know a week later did the same with, you know, one not knowing which which one was the newest and the oldest, I would probably just say, look, yeah, they both looked really good. You know, I don't think I would be able to remember that one was definitely a whole lot better than the other because those changes are usually incremental mm. so yeah i'm i'm personally not one to be signing up for that uh, that new screen so are they doing any 3d 4k screens or is 3d now officially just like thrown out and we've decided no one actually liked that anyway <laughs> we've just moved on to 3k to 4k i mean that's the new thing we've just abandoned 3d 3D has its place, but I think it's a sort of a special event type thing. So you you know you maybe there's a new film that comes out in 3D, and you can get that 
on Blu-ray and so on, then you might, you know, or we're going to put our glasses on and watch this particular uh, film in 3D. But there's not a huge amount of it. That's the, I yeah. think that's that's the point, and it is it's a special occasion, you know, type thing when that film comes out, you might get that Blu-ray and so on. But that said, I don't really watch Blu-rays generally either. Uh, so yeah, I, I, you know, the interesting thing about 4K for me is that we're so spoiled with technology. If you think about it, we've got 4K on one side, on the other side, you've got the latest phone or tablet. With 4K. Pocket size. So not only do you have the giant option, you have the extreme small option. It makes me think possibly contacts with 4K one day. hope so. Then it would would solve a lot of problems, wouldn't we? We wouldn't have to worry about lights or true blacks or anything. We'd just pop them in and away we go. Google Glass for the win. (laughs) I mean, there's a whole lot. I guess there's all sorts of technologies coming down in terms of wearables. So... Yeah, it'll be it'll be um, it'll be constant. I think the next few years in terms of those new developments. Now, Google merging Android and Chrome OS. Mark, what are your thoughts on this? Because you're you're a pretty big uh, user of of Android. I know you um, you like are you still carrying a, a Sony. Still carrying the Sony, Sony yeah. Xperia. Yeah. Yeah. How's that working out for you? What have you got? The Z3? Uh, Z2. Z2. So yeah. finally got uh, 5.1, so or 5.11. Android 5.11. Still waiting on 6, but yeah. Yeah. But it seems to be working okay. And what's your thought? Do you use do you use Chrome OS for, at all? Do you have any no. Chrome OS devices? Or do you use sort of Linux, Windows, I, Mac? I, I actually use Mac for, for my laptop. Um, Lightroom and photography, the Mac seems to work much nicer as, as well as some of the development stuff that i do um i don't actually do any mac development but it just seems to be a better environment i find but chrome itself on the mac is terrible it's been getting worse and worse with like slowing down and performance issues so what browser do you use if you're not using chrome on the mac a mixture of firefox and safari occasionally i've been trying out the new safari from El el capitan and it seems to be okay but yeah, it has its own issues, and I, I keep coming across sites that require Flash, and Chrome still has Flash built in. So it's like, oh, I've completely forgotten that the world still actually uses Flash. Fair enough. Now, um, Chrome OS, either of you come across that in your world? Um, I've used a few Chrome OS tablets just, just to play with, and they seem nice, but they kind of also seem limited. Because it seems to be the you know the gaining you know popularity in school type environments where you know schools have sort of gone gone all in with Google, and the idea of a Chrome OS tablet is, well you know if you're just using the Google stuff and the web then that's uh, that's probably quite quite suitable. And somebody asked me the other day, well what Chromebook should we buy for our child at school, and. Yeah, it's an interesting one because it's not a huge choice here in New Zealand. We're always a little bit more limited than than the US, and there isn't necessarily a big difference in price between buying a Chrome device and buying a Windows device that you can still obviously use the Chrome browser, but you've got the ability to run Windows apps if you need to. Knowing that all of the content is purely in the cloud and not on the device gives you a lot of that safeguards over if the device gets trashed or lost or stolen, then that data is safe. 
Assuming well, in the school environment, you probably a lot of equipment is going to get trashed, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and I think um, I was talking to someone the other day. They were talking about the Google for Education, where they've actually got all the live monitoring, so that when your students are logged into Google for Education, the teachers can see everything of what they've been doing, where they've been going. So having all that kind of central control. As, as that would much, be horrible as, as a child as much, to know that somebody's watching as your every of, move. As much of a big brother a horrible <laughs> thing it is, it's also, well, these days I think it's actually kind of needed. That's if, respectfully, if the teachers can operate it, because I know my kids have just been asked, bring your tablets along. I was loading you know, programs up and this and that, and then I had to log into Gmail and all that kind of stuff, and that's cool. So I'm aware that they're starting to track what he'll be looking at. That's kind of cool for me. But then what does that mean for the teacher? She's got 30 kids, 30 devices. Every parent signed a waiver. Look, we'll look after your stuff, but if it gets stolen, it's not our fault. Uh, You start entering into some weird social-school and what's the the outcome going to be? I'm not... In my mind, chuck a nice big phone in their pocket, do it all from that. Or or something, you know, like I, I don't know if the tablet's the answer or the Chromebook for school. Did yeah. they say tablet or because I know some schools are like saying you require an iPad, you need an Apple iPad. They're and saying iPad is preferred, and I think that's ease of use possibly. Uh, tablet is also av- um, available, but there wasn't things like find my iPad. I think that was a big thing for the, our local school. So if it goes missing, we've got a bit of protection there. What do you do though? Are we going to search it and go find it? <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's a brave new world of technology. But having just got, I went through a school uh, recently in our neighbourhood. My son Pablo will be turning uh, five very soon. So now it's you know time to make a decision and uh, and and get ready to uh, ship him off to school, which is all all, all a bit scary and intimidating. Uh, but walking around the school, it was. Just curious to see the way that the classrooms were operating with yeah, varying devices and, you know, in most of the classrooms there were a portion of the room that were using some sort of technology, tablets and, and, mm. and so on. And, yeah, that's that's a whole new world for me to, uh, to get familiar with, with is just exactly how they do that. And I've heard all sorts of stories, so it will be... Uh, educational, yeah, to uh, to to experience just how how well they they do or don't. Uh, and I, I guess he'll be the, the, he'll the technology be the side of it. He'll be the only student to change his tablet every two or three months. <laughs> uh, we'll see, we'll see. There's there, there might be a hand me down or every now and then uh, from uh, leftover from testing that's not quite good enough and that he might like. So uh, nice. maybe maybe so, but I'm not sure he will he will quite need that mark uh, at age five. Here's the thing, uh, the kids have all the latest apps, everything's cool, it's all, you think they're going to, you know, blow some minds. I checked the kids' iPad the other day, they used iMovie and made a horror trailer. So I was like, good kids. That's cool. You, know, you could have gone out and searched anything <laughs> and you made a trailer called Demon something, I don't know. Well, and if that was in America, they'd probably be shipped off to a Guantanamo already, right? That's also kind of the problems that, depending on how they police things or... At least we're not quite a heavy-handed state here in New Zealand. I'm not sure the Americans are, are too too successful with uh, clamping down on um, 
Anyway, let's yeah. not let's not get into a big political uh, debate about uh, gun laws and and the like. We'll uh, we'll never get anywhere. So, so the merging of Chrome OS and Android, I'm not exactly sure. There's not really enough known now what they're actually planning planning to do. Mm, and Google is sort of you know basically saying, look, they're they're not they're not working to phase out Chrome OS at this stage. And you know, I get some of the headlines and things suggested that within yeah, the next year or two, we would we would see you know the end of um, the end of that sort of Chrome world as Chrome and Android came came together. But Google say, look, yes, we're working to bring those technologies together, but then they say they're not phasing out Chrome OS, which you can understand because they're planning to reach it, release you know through their partners you know dozens of new Chromebooks mm. in the ne- in the year ahead. So uh, you know, of course, well, they they going to I mean, uh, Chrome OS now has the ability to run Android applications and you can compile Android applications to run as Chrome apps kind of stuff and on the Android side you've got like Chrome custom pages or something like which effectively is an in process browser for switching to a, a browser and a, it's kind of a blending of the two worlds so they're still independent and I don't know whether they're just actually intending to make that blurry even more Hmm. Well, we will see. We will see. But it, uh, I mean, this is the sort of stuff that you know potentially will confuse typical users and say, Ugh, around uh, you know, this sort of these these sorts of changes. I guess it would be it'd be nice to have some clarity of exactly where it's going. But I understand from Google's perspective, they've got to keep some things up their sleeves. Uh, now, on one company that is known to please some consumers and annoy others uh, and, and businesses, uh, Microsoft, just uh, it was just a year ago or maybe a year and a few days ago that Microsoft announced that OneDrive was moving to providing everyone who subscribed with unlimited OneDrive storage. Not a terabyte, not 10 terabytes, not 100 terabytes worth of storage, but unlimited. And I remember we discussed that on New Zealand Tech Podcast then and we were saying, oh, how wonderful Microsoft are. This is brilliant. This is the sort of thing that will make it very hard for Dropbox and some of the other competitors that don't have a lot of other strings to their bow uh, to really survive. Well, you know, since that time... Uh, Microsoft signed a deal with Dropbox and with varying other cloud storage providers. And interestingly, they have yet to deliver on their promise of unlimited OneDrive storage. So, have you ever filled your storage? Like effectively, Gmail is unlimited email. You still have, like, say, 25 gig. It's, but Gmail, Gmail isn't, though. It's, it is very clear, very specific around how, how much you get. Yes, but I don't know of anyone who has ever actually got close to filling it. And as you kind of like start filling up, they seem to start giving you more. Or that's how it kind of kind of felt like. And it's like, well, you can say unlimited storage because, well, we know that 99% of people are going to use 500 megs or 500 gigs. Storage is relatively cheap because no one actually, it's the outliers that you need to care about. I guess what what I'm saying is, look, they've made a promise. They haven't delivered on it. Yeah. Yes, you're right. You know, technically, most people aren't going to fill up the storage that that they've been given because I think you know generally there's that terabyte available in most cases, and you're able to go through and, and click on something. And I've you know got my personal OneDrive storage bumped up to ten terabytes, so it's a massive amount there. 
Um, but it is still curious that they made this sort of song and dance about delivering unlimited, and yet they haven't delivered on it yet. I, you know, I just think, well, that's that is actually a really long time to be a year down the track. And last time I asked Microsoft, you know, some weeks back around it, nobody had any comment or, you know, there, there was no feedback. And, you know, the year now has been and gone and there's still no feedback. So I just think that's that's kind of curious. And, you know, we've got to hold these, these big companies accountable. They've got deep pockets. They've made promises Agreed. to us and they're letting us down. So, uh, yeah, not that we're being let down majorly because, as you said, Mark, there's plenty of, plenty of storage. I mean, we'll... Would you be able to fill up um, any more than 10 terabytes? Well, probably not, but I like the days where you had limited space. I liked not having unlimited internet. It felt like you achieved something at the end of the month when you just got in your last download, legal download, uh, and were under your cap. You know, you would check your things. It was like text, how many have I got left? Remember when texting cost 20 cents a go? You had to make sure that meant something. Now you just text back emojis, is it? And it doesn't cost anything. So, yes, that's one side of it. But the other side is I like the idea also of having unlimited uh, unlimited um, space online. That's a nice thought for family photos, for those type of things. If I was them, I would um, I would just say, yeah, it's unlimited and have in the fine print, but it all downloads slow. You know, So, yeah, you can use it, unlimited, but over a certain point, we'll cap you. But it's still unlimited. Just leave it like old school downloading overnight over the weekend. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, well, that that would certainly be be one one approach. And yeah, I imagine yeah, Mark mentioned about those sort of the the outliers. And yes, the, you know, most people are going to be within normal realms. But there will be if you give people unlo- unlimited. The moment you say in writing unlimited. There's going Dot. to be somebody like Mark, going act- actually, who's like, oh, I'm a programmer. I could code something here that's going to generate more data than exists in the world today, and I'm going to put it on Microsoft servers as an experiment. This is just for fun. And now Microsoft Online, the entire planet, has now just gone offline. Everyone's lost their, everyone's lost their files because Mark's... Mark, you're the reason Microsoft hasn't released yet. Yeah, he's put in a denial of service attack on on the world's storage systems and on the internet. Possibly, I can just I I know that you've got the smarts to do something like that. So now now it all fits together. Do that. (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of fortunate. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I I I can I can see why they might be a little bit cautious. All right, uh, moving on now. I, I see Google want to actually upload have another copy of the internet as well. Oh, really? Tell us about the second copy of the internet. They're going to um, take a backup. They're going to take a, a backup of... Are they going to, what, are they going to fax it to themselves? Or are they going to scan it? What's, how are they going to, no, are they they going to print out each page off the internet? And No, they, they only want a certain subset of the internet. They want to take a copy of all of your podcasts. Oh, that's interesting. Yes. Mm. Well, tell what have you what have you heard about this uh, this new thing? Because what I, what I had heard was that Google aren't interested in New Zealand podcasts. That they're, they're being very exclusive at the moment well, and they don't real- want our podcast, they want the American content. Well, what defines an American podcast? I mean, illegalargument.com is an American podcast. It's so have you submitted it to, no, um, to, to Google Play? I haven't actually looked at the details yet fully of how to actually submit or whatever. So for those who are, who are lost, Google, Google have in the last few days uh, announced that they're getting back into the world of podcasting. And so the Google um, Play Music app will also allow you to access podcasts. 
and there there are a couple of things that they're doing that that's interesting. They're going to follow uh, in the footsteps a lot of um, Apple with iTunes and the categories and so on that Apple uses, which keeps it reasonably simple. Um, there's a little bit of uh, simplification around how that will operate. Uh, what they will do is they'll take a copy of every single podcast. So if you need, to, if you want to listen to a podcast, instead of it coming back from the original podcast provider, uh, they will actually have a copy within the, the Google world. They, Which is pretty much what iTunes does as well. They they cache locally the content and then I believe... Not the audio. Not the audio. They used to. I think in one of the earlier versions of iTunes, they were... It would proxy through, so they wouldn't necessarily keep it all the time, but there was some weird things because you'd see certain downloads coming from their site and it would take a while to actually appear, so it wasn't actually coming directly from your feed or there was some weird things there. I don't know. And there are, I mean, there certainly are providers like Stitcher Radio and so on who, you know, who will, you know, keep copies of the content and, and forward it through. That does create some complications for you know keeping track on your statistics of who's well, who's listening and so on. But there, it's it's all available, so it's not not too scary. What I want to know is why they're being like Microsoft, where when Microsoft released their podcasting app for Windows Phone years ago, and then took what felt like forever to make it available to the rest of the world. Why does this keep happening? Why is New Zealand, you know, not? I'm. I'm going to why say why these things not done globally. I'm is probably, it that hard? I'm probably going to say it's just because of the way that they've set up their infrastructure. That they have the New Zealand store, they have the Australian store, and the American store. So that infrastructure is already in place. So maybe they just don't have the, the that change to have a global store yet. I don't understand and, what you're talking about, Mark. It doesn't make any sense to me. What do you think, Will? I can translate for Mark. Okay. No, I can't, Mark. Sorry, mate. But you looked committed throughout. Um, I think I know what you're saying, though. Um, the bit that I get confused about is surely there's some infrastructure with Google Play Store, right? We're all able to download apps everywhere. We all have our own logins. Well, you can't, though, because certain apps are region locked. Or carrier locked. It's, it or, sounds like it's a, yeah. It can be a little. It can be a little bit hard work, and um, you know we've had that with with others. And it's annoying. It would be just nice if they got these things lined up. But uh, it's becoming normal, though, isn't it? Well, because when Apple kind of relaunched their radio stations with the the whole new stuff where they had the curated podcasts, it's not just Paul Spain can go put up a a third podcast or a tenth podcast and we've got now a hundred of the NZ conglomeration of podcasts. It has to be vetted by Apple and they've got like, they're getting like the, the cream of the cream or what they think is the cream of the cream and people doing things specifically for that platform. So whether Google's going in that same vein or whether it's just, ah, it's a free-for-all, but we're kind of limiting the free-for-all. As long as we don't need to Mm. submit the podcast to the American catalogue, the New Zealand catalogue. I think that curated theme might be coming somewhere into this. The ones I've seen, you know, Nerdist, Mark Maron, the big heavy hitters, uh, didn't Google, no, not Google, didn't iTunes re-release something with music where there are curated mixes now? Yeah, so they've got the, the live radio stations, which is effectively yeah. podcasts that you can then listen to them after the fact, but you can also see them live kind of stuff. And yeah. and Spotify now do that as well. And I think not, not New Zealand yet, right? Unless they've, no, they've changed it. So, no. yeah, there, there is a sort of a recurring theme here. And, of course, um, one of the companies we're waiting on... Um, Microsoft, who we uh, who we beat up on a little bit earlier around their OneDrive, 
Um, so they've, they've, we're waiting on their Surface Book product, which they've launched in the US and which they're launching in Australia next week and no launch date for New Zealand yet. The only thing I've been able to pick up on that is just reading some of the reviews of people that have had hands-on either pre-launch or have bought them following launch is that maybe there are some issues actually with the reliability of these new, the new Surface Pro 4 and the new Surface Books and that Microsoft have some work to do around firmware updates and, and software to actually make them run reliably and that would be a good reason for holding them back from launch but probably a reason that they should have if that is the case, held them back from launch in the US as well. So, yeah, fascinating times. Now, one more product that has launched reasonably concurrently internationally, the new Apple TV product. Uh, that has become available as of last Friday, I think, in you know a whole bunch of countries, including New Zealand. So I ducked down to... Is it? Um, Noel Leeming? Noel Leeming over the weekend. And there was only one store I could see within Auckland that I think even got any stock from what it sounded like talking to somebody on the phone. And they got eight of them. And by Sunday, they had sold all eight. Wow. Yeah, I don't know that, you know, sort of suggests that these weren't quite the as hot as some of the uh, items that we usually see from, uh, from Apple. But quite a big change for Apple as well because we've gone from having an Apple TV, what, $130, $140 type price item to something that starts at $300. But what you've got is a device that's got 32 gigs worth of storage in it so you can keep a lot of things on there in terms of install apps and have those, you know, on the the TV from um, an app catalogue and the app store. Photos, I'm presuming that uh, your photo gallery is able to sort of, you know, cache that locally. So, yeah, some, yeah, some nice things in there. Um, but we tried it out before because I hadn't actually had a chance over the weekend to uh, to have a good look. And we plugged it in. And um, It was in German by We default, had to rely or? on on Will. Now, Will, um, tell us why your uh, your German skills are a little ah, bit better than yeah. mine. Herr Spain, Dankeschön. Mein Frau kommt aus Deutschland. My wife comes from Germany. And that means her family comes from Germany. That means her mum doesn't speak English. That means I can't say thank you for dinner. So I decided to go learn German. On my first day, I walked into German school. And I said to the guy, hey, man, let's start with something easy. How do you say the? And he goes, we have three versions of the. (laughs) Masculine, feminine, neutral. And I said, oh, no, this is going to be tough. Uh... I maintain my grammar is better in German than in English. I'm not too bad at German. I can order Big Macs. I can say thank you for dinner. And uh, I love you. So those are the main things in my life, Paul. Dankeschön. Dankeschön. Ich liebe dich. Ich liebe Rammstein. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so apologies to our listeners. So, uh, yeah, so we, we had a bit of Will's help. Uh, I used uh, some Google Translate and uh, figured way through the interface to... Um, get onto the Apple TV. I don't know why it came up in German to start with, maybe because I plugged it in at home and bumped something before I found an HDMI cable and then thought, oh, I'll just bring it in and uh, we'll we'll test it out here. So it might have been entirely my fault, but it's easier to blame someone else and say that it wasn't. But we eventually got through, set it up, and uh, a little bit of a play around, but I think we need to spend a bit more time with it to be able to give a, a good review, but installed Netflix and a couple of other apps. Some of the apps wanted me to sign in yeah. again. Mm-hmm. I see Plex TV have just released their Apple TV, the new TVOS application as well. Yes, so I think that'll be a, that'll be a popular one amongst sort of you know techie people that are into uh, Plex. How do you how do you pronounce it? 
Plex. Plex. P L E X. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a not a user, but uh, I always keep hearing about it from those that are because they absolutely love it as a place to store all their um, legal, um, their their uh, downloaded uh, content. Hey, I stream legitimate content through Plex. Oh yes, 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 yes. Uh, the on the Apple TV, the user interface was nice and clean. I did notice that. I feel like it's getting back to that anyone can use it kind of ten up. You know what I mean? Nice big clear boxes. Nice and easy to use. Having the um uh, the sort of track pad type thing on the remote worked reasonably well. Still quite hard as these devices usually are for typing in usernames and passwords and so on. Um, I think there's a way where you can pair your phone through to sort of pass through some of the credentials and so on. I didn't with the German user interface, I uh, I struggled with learning how to do one or two of those sorts of things. You but did pretty well, Paul. I believe it supports Bluetooth as well. Mm, mm. So you can pair other devices. I someone that paired their uh, PlayStation remote to it, thinking they might be able to, or their PlayStation controller uh, controller that might be able to use it for playing games. But sadly, that didn't work. But I think there'll be a whole lot more that comes out to start with for New Zealand. We don't have that Siri access uh, that has been touted for the US and Canada. Um, but I think the remote, there was a lot of talk saying the, uh, the New Zealand remote or international remotes won't do that. I think it's the same remote. So I think later when there's a software update, that probably will become available. Cool. All right, well, that's, uh, that's us for this week. So, yes, let's, um, let's wrap it up. Now, Will, where will we find your new podcast, My Kiwi Life? Yeah, well, mykiwilife.com is where you can jump on today. Um, you know, if you subscribe, if you follow, do all that stuff. I know everyone says it, but it matters if you do it because that's how we track this thing. We're all we're all cowboys in this wild west and I feel like to get to that next level uh, we need we do need your help to to make sure you do a click and um that will be a good start. So it's a yeah, like I pitched to you earlier, it's an honest podcast. It's a bit of life. It's not too woo woo, but uh it's somewhere in the middle of finding the answers to some things that maybe we take for granted every day. Uh, I'd You've love got some you. pretty cool guests coming up too, haven't you? Yep, yep. So I've had guests who talk about fat's good for you. I know that's a big thing, that sh- sugar was the answer. Well, it was never really the answer. It was the replacement for fat. He's saying bring fat back. I've got a, a boxer who grew up in a, a gang environment. He's gone on to be a motivational speaker, a scientist who's looking for life on Mars. He's says some cool stuff about water on Mars and what that means. Lots of different people, and that's the key, different people. Um, doing what we should do, talking. <laughs> Let's Excellent. start back with talking. Cool, cool. Thanks. And where do we find you online? You're on Twitter, Will? Yeah, at Will Fleming NZ is where you can find me. I've been through variations of trying to find a Twitter name. I wish I had just booked William. That would be cool. I'll buy it one day. Paul, can you buy it for me? <laughs> well, once our listeners start supporting my podcast, Will, and uh, I've got this great big uh, podcast empire that's... Uh, um, I can finally live off. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. If you're going to um, be that rich, I'll have Will I Am then. <laughs> so that, that'll be early next year. <laughs> All right, over to uh, over to Mark. Where do we find you online, mate? Uh, you can find me at Talios on on the Twitters if I ever actually go back to Twitter, uh, or on Google Plus, just a uh, plus Mark Derricket, and uh, illegalargument.com for the podcast. Nice. All right. Well, thank you both very much for joining me. Uh, of course, podcasts.co.nz, where you'll you'll find uh, Will's podcast, the NZ Tech Podcast, and uh, and others such as New Zealand Entertainment Podcast and the New Zealand Business Podcast. You can track me down online, Paul Spain, on Twitter. 
uh, feel free to hit me up across any of the other social networks if it's LinkedIn just always nice to have an intro saying that you you know, come across me through um, through New Zealand Tech Podcast uh, but love hearing from listeners if you've got any feedback suggestions for the podcast feel free to get in touch through those channels or even just email me paul.spain at globalvoicemedia.com alright thanks everyone catch you next week see ya the New Zealand Tech Podcast brought to you by Gorilla Technology proactive and strategic IT